0: you guys are going to enjoy this so much. I have Ryan Kelly on the show. Ryan Kelly has been described as a modern-day Sherlock Holmes. He's a comedian and on his spare time he likes to bust scammers. Uh check him out. He's all he's pretty big on social media there, uh TikTok, uh, Instagram, millions of views and what makes him unique is Ryan started off as a youth pastor Got into comedy and then got into busting scammers. I'm excited to have him here. Ryan Kelly, welcome.
1: Well, happy to be here. First off, thank you so much. Second off, I don't know who's described me as a modern-day Sherlock Holmes. I definitely describe myself more as like Maxwell Smart. Like, oh, he's trying his best. And we'll see how it goes. Like, uh <laughs> would but you believe? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, may I have the cone of silence? Like, that's thank that's you. my exact thing. um, But I, I will say it's been fun. I actually so the youth pastor thing started out like I, I did go to Christian school for like 18 years. I taught Sunday school a little bit. And uh, I went by the name Youth Pastor Ryan on social media because of how much I just look like a stereotypical youth pastor. I was just like, I'm the most generic white guy you've ever seen. I look like if Costco sold people and <laughs> that that that's why I go by Youth Pastor Ryan. But yeah, since then, it's uh it's bounced all over the place man we've been especially with social media it's been a ton of fun but there have been some weird shifts you know everybody always says you know you got to find your niche and i apparently am terrible at reading instructions because we've done everything from scam hunting i worked at disney i told those stories um somewhere in between i ended up hanging out with a lot of like huge bearded dudes that were awesome and it's just been a lot of fun it's been a really fun ride
0: all right so obviously you come from a religious family 18 years of uh, religious training or Christian school, I I think is great. Um, And then, so you were a youth pastor during this time only, or did you take it for a couple of years after you graduated?
1: No, not not really. Honestly, I just kind of like, I helped with like kids and like Sunday school and things like that. Like that was honestly just kind of my easier way to like, I was just like kind of like a younger teenager and so it was like hey this is a way that you can like talk and play with kids and like have a great time while also not having to just sit and be quiet for an hour and a half and i am not great at that so um yeah it uh that that's that's pretty much just where i did my thing but after that i mean i've i've done quite a few different types of like uh i guess what what you'd consider like either mentorships or like youth pastor type things uh like when i was in college I, I did a ton of improv comedy and that's actually how i got into stand-up was through improv and i loved it and at one point there was a uh there was actually an lgbtq youth group that wanted uh like people to come in and do it it's funny i went to the christian college down there they were very confused why i was there because they were <laughs> like i i remember groups of kids would come up and be like do you straight and I was like yeah they are like why are you here and I was like I don't know I love improv and I think everybody deserves to love improv and they're like cool um uh, so <laughs> yeah I guess I guess that was probably the last time that I did what would be considered like youth pastor but it had nothing it, it was for the church of improv which uh' it's just a lot of yes and. so it was yeah it was fun it was really fun
0: well and and I think everybody should do at least a month or three of improv because it really helps you in so many different ways It is, uh, you know, people think it's just for comedians. I think it's it's a great people skill.
1: I, I could not agree more. I think it is, you know, I was very fortunate that in high school, I had a teacher that was taught by Del Close. And, uh, and so we got all of that, like information, like really firsthand. And she was like, she was actually really tough on us as like a improv teacher, which you wouldn't expect, but it was, it was great. And we got really good. And honestly, I, I just think that it's such a valuable skill for anybody, whether you want to do public speaking or just converse better with people. I also think the whole yes. And premise makes you like more amicable just in society. And that's kind of nice. So yeah, I I'd love all of that stuff across the board, Cat. I could go on about how improv should be taught in schools like for for hours.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what it, it would it would probably have a fairly good attendance. Uh there's going to be those people who want to participate and those people who want to just uh would partake of the comedy. So it would be a yeah. great class and and you're right. I think if you if you're interested in public speaking, if you want to be a trainer, a manager, there are so many things that you learn, so much confidence that you get out of out mm-hmm. of that uh, environment. It's, it's uh, very valuable.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, every conversation that's improv with you, like yeah. to admit, it's just the way that it goes. Yeah. It, it
0: really is. And, and there's nothing worse, especially with today. I think that you have younger and younger kids being glued to that device and less and less social skills are being developed
1: think that like it's both a device thing but i also think that uh, going through covid was a huge thing like we're still seeing the effects of that and especially socially on younger kids and being able to kind of head it off of the past with something like improv training or or just even group uh you know kind of sessions that that you wouldn't necessarily have to phrase as improv but really are i mean i think there's a lot of benefit there
0: absolutely all right so you go from high school to college and you're studying what in college
1: uh, I studied both international relations with a concentration on civil war ethnic conflict and uh what is it civil war ethnic conflict and uh, terrorism and uh, uh, and then I mean, <laughs> yeah well and also at the same time I was doing the, the the other side of it where I was also studying marketing uh and weird it was at the time when like ISIS was getting really big and uh and weirdly enough the the marketing that they would use is the exact same as the marketing strategies that like Coca Cola would use, and okay. so it's just because it's just effective. And right. so it was really funny to be like, there shouldn't be crossover. There's a lot of crossover. Uh, um, yeah, went to college, did improv up there, but that's actually where I started doing stand up because it was just something that I could fully do. And the problem with improv sometimes you can't get a team together, you can't have other people to play with. And so for me, I was just stoked to uh, to get to do stand up, and it, it it was so much fun. It was a great place to start.
0: So do you when somebody says, hey, Ryan, what do you do for a living? You say I'm a comedian. I'm what you know, how do you are you a full time yeah. comedian at this point?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Okay, I am. A, so I am a full time wow. comedian. That is the thing that actually uh, that is the thing that pays the bills, which I think is okay. very funny because um, I I'm essentially I'm a full time comedian that uh, does cybersecurity on the side, which is not. How that's supposed to go at all? Um, my parents are very confused. If I'm very honest with like <laughs> that, but no, I uh, yeah, full time stand up comedian. That's normally how I answer it. Um, okay. I also do like content creation things like that, obviously. But it's uh, it you know it all it all stemmed from the reason why I did content creation was because I wanted to test material without having to like get. Uh, I was working too much at Disneyland, so I didn't have time to get up and do stand up. So I was like, I'll just test it online, and then that did a lot better than I ever expected. And so I was like, okay, noted. That is uh. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, really, you can you can say whatever I do. I'm just I'm just happy to be doing it. I'm glad it pays my bills. And I think that's kind of where I'm at, you know? (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, and and backing up a little bit, uh, talk, you know, I think I think you mentioned something about, you know, different niches or whatever. I think that's great. I think that to me and and just to be transparent, just because I struggled with it, I was very jealous of these kids who they already had everything planned out. Oh yeah. I'm going to go to college for this reason. I'm going to do this career track. and I'm going, wow. I just like, I was nowhere near that. I was like, I I was just grateful to get out of high school. And, 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 you know, and I tell my kids, it's good to try different things. I mean, look, if you know what you want to do and you love doing X and you see yourself doing X for a while, do that. But Mm -hmm. if you're not sure what you want to do and you like being you like comedy or you like this or you like whatever, try it all. See what sticks.
1: Yeah, I I would totally agree. And I think that it's far more uncommon, especially now to have that single, Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And that's, uh, I want to say, gosh, is it like seven career changes are expected per person throughout life? Yeah. It's something like that. And I think, very nicely. Like my parents were uh, always very supportive. I always make the joke that I'd be a way funnier stand-up comedian if they hadn't been. Um, but uh, just got to find a way to blame them somehow. But it's, no, my um, my my mom ended up. She studied. Uh, I want to say she did marketing. Then she didn't like it, so she graduated with it though because it was her senior year. She studied like she read nine books in eleven days and took the uh, systems engineers test to be like a systems engineer for like computer science. And and then she, and she just started working that job. She just started doing that. She started coding programming, all this stuff. She's crazy intelligent. And now she's essentially like a contractor. She can fully build houses. Like we're talking wiring, wow. tile, everything. It's crazy. And my dad, for his part, he was always definitely a guy that was very charismatic and good with sales. I would say him and my little brother had that, where they just, they're those people that have that natural charisma that you're just like, wow, don't know how you do it. But he did everything from started his own like oil and lube on wheels was the name of it. And it was essentially like uh, they would go and they would change your oil and like fix it and do it for a lot of like companies. And and some of it went well, some of it didn't. But (laughs) then he he started uh, selling different things and ended up being very successful with it. And so, yeah, I think it's cool that I saw them all bounce around from different things in a positive way. I've also seen some family members that have bounced around and it's not gone great. But I think that there's a difference between bouncing around to the things you like and always chasing like success and always following what is being successful than necessarily just going, I just don't want to do this anymore. I think following the fear is way less effective than following the fun. I think would be the way to say it.
0: Yeah, no, I like that. Uh, I I think that a lot of people have said over the years, some variation, follow your bliss. If it feels right, do it. And, And I think for the most part, that's true. I think that, there's such a big emphasis on you get the big uh degree, you get the big career, you get the big house, you, you know, you 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 go for the big stuff like that, which is fine if yeah. you find some way of doing it on your terms. And yeah. I think that the reason we're gonna have six, seven, eight, ten different career changes is because uh people I, I think they're they're just not developing their interests enough. I don't know if it's just that or I'm trying to think what other reason other than they're experimenting and, and, and like a lot of us trying to figure things out.
1: Yeah. Know. You know what? I think that's actually a very interesting thing. And I think our school system, a job of helping people explore interests. You know what I mean? I, I, I just feel like, you know, most of the time you get the basics and don't get me wrong. We definitely need the basics, but there is something about like the specificity of it all. You don't get to explore. So for instance, like when you're in school, there's theater. And that's just all of it. That's, that's all performance. And there's so many different levels to that and so many different places you can go with that. And I think finding the niche that makes you happy. I mean, you know, there are people that are that have jobs like lore consultant for Sonic the Hedgehog. You know, there's, there's people that do a whole bunch of different things that are paleontologists, but specifically with like trilobites, those little like shell creatures from way back. So it's like, you know, I I think it's just find your specific thing. And it's uh yeah, I feel like we're all thrown towards too much vagueness, and that, that could be where I'm saying, yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's so funny. I was, uh, while you were talking about uh, becoming, you know, brilliant at the basics or having the basics, I think mm-hmm. there's a, a, is it, I think it's Minnesota, and forgive me if it's not Minnesota. I don't want to offend our great people there in Minnesota. But it, yeah, <laughs> but I think there's a, there's a couple of states that are moving away from that, where, you no longer have to pass the basics. Where you know, instead of instead of asking us to get smarter, be stronger, let's go weaker. Let's let's just dumb it down a little bit. To I I, I just don't know where we're going to go with that kind of thinking. Um, I think that w- we should be, in my opinion, trying to get a little bit smarter, a little bit stronger. And and and. But anyway, apparently, some of these schools think the basics are too tough
1: yeah i've and it, you know what it's always always been hard i think i i'm very fortunate that like i've I've surrounded I'm, i've been surrounded by some pretty intelligent people i've also been surrounded by people that uh, struggle on the other end of that spectrum but it's uh i think yeah you know it's it's weird to, to lower it for everybody when it's like well how do we i don't know i just feel like it almost needs to be more specialized like for instance like even though people might not be able to you know be as strengthened at the basics well there are going to be things that they figure out I have an uncle that can, God, he is so talented and cannot not only fix, but also jury rig anything you need. Like it is just wild to watch. And he wasn't good at school at all. And I think that sometimes find like taking those kids and like putting them on tracks that are, that are like, Hey, are you having fun with this? And they're like, yes, well then let's, let's build that more. And you're going to find math. And to be honest, I actually, I feel similarly about the way that I learned cyber. Is I was terrible with computers. It was the joke in my family that like if if something was broken, like tech wise, like it would it's just dead. It's like Ryan Ryan touched it and now it, it has decided it will never work again. <laughs> but for me, it was when I got scammed and I had all this background. I uh, I actually have my master's degree in homeland security now, and I I understood the basics of kind of how money works, how it goes, and the basics of cyber. But I really just threw myself into it because I had an interest then, and I I knew none of, none of the basics. I guess this is what I'd probably like to say most. We are taught the theoretical of so many things versus the practicality of so many things. And I found that the practicality makes it so much easier to learn because then I figured out, oh, this is how this works. This is how this works. This is how it goes. And now, because I'm working at such a base level of how computers operate. I can be so much more successful than say, "Hey, what's the theory behind this?" I don't know. I don't care. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
0: Well, you know, uh, first of all, I think that uh, it's a good point. I think that that's the approach that is missing in public schools. Meaning, they they want to put you in a box, regardless of what your your aptitude is. you know, oh, you don't like math? Well, you still have to have math, Mm -hmm. and you have to have a certain level, a certain amount of math. One of the things, I have a friend of mine who is into, homes, they homeschool all the kids. Mm-hmm. And what I love about this is that if your child does like math, then you can give them more mathematics, as much as they as they want to take. If your child likes writing, then they can take more classes that's going to emphasize that. And I think that's what's missing in, in school, is, is that there's no creativity, there's no follow your passion. It's all, you got to stay within this box and yeah. And the teachers, I think most of the teachers,
1: they seem so frustrated. I've had a yeah. couple friends that now do social media that, that used to be teachers. And they're just like, it's just so tough. And honestly, like I give a hand, all those teachers that are yes. able, able to do all that work. And especially like, you know, at the, at the rate that they're being paid, it's just like, man, you guys, you're godsends for that. And it's, it's just gotta be really frustrating. And, you know, I, I think it's tough to try to change a whole system. To, for for this type of things, and obviously, America is a huge country, but it's it is it will be interesting to see where we go, and as we see different states trying different things, and really, you know, I, I will say the benefit to us being such a large country with fifty states is you can take fifty different options and figure out which one's working. You know, yes. like that's it's, it's a pretty effective way to do it. So you can really get it all mixed up, but yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, and, and I think that uh, one of the blessings, for lack of a better term, one of the benefits of COVID is that we were able to test the capacity of the internet, the capacity of online uh, learning. Some people loved it, some people hated it. Same thing with uh, with workers. Uh, there are certain people that are gonna be okay with online work or online learning, and there's some people who prefer the in-class or the uh, in-office work, and, and that's fine. There's no wrong or right, but I thought that was a great experiment.
1: I think, I think it was really like, just fascinating. Obviously, we, we all wish COVID hadn't happened. But, man, it, it was interesting and probably something that we all maybe needed to see to an aspect of, like, what is capable for, for workers to do? How do we keep efficiency up while also, you know, if, for instance, for for parents, hey, you need to be able to, like, have time at home with the kids. You can work from home. And then that ended up being effective for people. Now they can maintain at home even past COVID. I think that's really cool. I think that it might hopefully help workers of the future and, and kids as well.
0: All right. Uh, let's talk about this because you said you have a master's degree in homeland security. What does that mean,
1: man? It's a uh, that's an excellent question. Uh, um, I ask myself that every day. I actually have it with me. I um, it's funny. I, I I put eyebrows and a mustache on it because I uh, <laughs> I just thought it was cute, and I didn't want people to like think I was taking myself too seriously. So that's why I went with that. He's got a it's got a little hat too. It's very fun. I, uh, (laughs) funny enough, it was actually, I was working at Disneyland and, uh, they have something called the Disney aspire program, which I'm shocked that I actually was talking to somebody recently. They still have it. It's fantastic because you can get, like they will pay for your entire schooling. Even if you're just working part time. Uh, I always joke that it's like, uh, it's like the military, but you get yelled at more. Um, uh, (laughs)
0: working at disney or going to homeland security co- college
1: i mean oh, working, working at disney for sure yeah um, okay. no you're uh yeah it's weird you got the on the ground level too where you're like am i going to get punched um, <laughs> um, no but it's it's a really cool program for those that like are thinking i can't afford college or things like that you know i honestly like i was very stoked to hear about that program they just introduced it when i was there i was like yeah i absolutely want to do this cuz you're not you know you're i you're paid a certain amount and that's, and, but that is a good way. Really just look for your employee benefits that can make that worth it more for you. And that was how it was for me. So yeah, I got my master's in Homeland security and uh, what, what it essentially means is like, I was targeting like critical infrastructure, better understanding like emergency response. Uh, I also looked at uh, Colts, lone wolves and bombers to better understand kind of like how they operate. Obviously they're very difficult to catch. What, tactics and data we have available to us now to be able to help figure that out and how you can prevent things in the future, whether that be like Timothy McVeigh or the Millennium Park bombing or if, you know, even if you're looking like serial killers or like human trafficking. And it was uh sorry to take this on such a dark note, but that is uh that is what I studied. And. From that, I I learned a lot about how money moves and how like money, uh, money mules, everything that goes along with who's who's really benefiting in the end of this. And and if you can put a plug on that, I mean, once the money's out of it, unless they're like a fanatic, that that's going to put a stop to a lot of crime. But uh, when you've got fanaticism and uh, kind of, you know. And, and an exalted level of, of self-identification. Then you're like, well, I don't know. I don't know how to stop that. Right. Um, no, you can't it,
0: stop that. I mean, fanaticism, you, you're not doing it for any other reason than this religious belief or whatever you want to call it. Uh,
1: yeah. Religious, it, social, political, like it's just, yeah. it's all this really, it's, it's just, it's baseline extremism. And yes. it's, uh, it's, it's so fascinating to better understand like how that was. not so I started looking into a lot of that stuff and, uh, Uh, but but at the time i was i was actually my social media was taken off so it was it was funny because i was like well now i have all these degrees and i do jokes for a living uh and so it's also weird to go from like bombers to jokes like uh, granted i i still try to avoid bombing now so i mean that's the good thing about being a stand-up comedian uh but no and then uh Took all took all that basic information that was that was kind of around those other things and was able to put it more towards cyber, which has been a really fun transition, and especially for my content, what I get to do.
0: Absolutely. All right. So, tell tell me a little bit about your hacking. Obviously, I, you just mentioned that uh, you got hacked, so that kind of made you become very interested in cyber, and and mm-hmm. and and now you help people with scams, or are you, you know. <laughs> You helps you you help get even with scammers. That's that's better
1: put. I think that's a better way to say it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I um, yeah, I wouldn't describe myself as a hacker by by any means. I'm pretty simplistic with my methods. Um, I would describe myself more as like a social engineer. And I think that in everything that I've actually done up into my life into this point, whether it be improv, stand up, reading a room, learning like Homeland Security, it's really all about, at the end of the day, everything's always about the people and. At that point, I realized, oh, these scammers are not prepared because they do not think that they're ever going to get scammed because they're on that side of it. And so if you just turn the tables on them, they're not prepared for that. Uh, And so that makes it really easy to set up things like credential harvesters uh, or like uh, location finders. If you can turn the phone's GPS towards you so that you can see where they're at. I mean, there are a lot of fun things that I've gotten to be able to do thanks to – Thanks to a, a couple quick uh, little apps and platforms. It's been fun.
0: Okay. Let's see a couple of things that you said. Uh, credential what?
1: A credential harvester. So, what
0: the heck is a credential harvester? This is a term I've not ever heard.
1: Okay. So, think about it like uh, those USPS texts you get and how okay. it takes you to like a weird website, but it oh, looks okay. pretty normal uh and then you type in your information. So that information doesn't go towards where you think it's going, it goes towards the people that are stealing it and those are your credentials and they have now been stolen. So a credential harvester can look like pretty much anything depending on what you're trying to get a hold of. Most of the time I'm trying to get a hold of login information uh because I I would like to be able to take over an account and then send out emails to the people that they're also trying to scam and be like hey, this is a scam, do not fall for this and then I'll delete the account. Um Other times it's gone in much funnier ways. Um, I personally love uh, I love the celebrity scams. I think those are hilarious to me, especially because I just love the image that Toby Keith really wants you to get into crypto. You know what I mean? Like that just makes no sense. But one of my favorites had to be I had Niall Horan. Uh, someone pretending to be the former One Direction boy band member. I think he's now the host of The Voice. And I, uh, I had this guy messaging me. And so what I'll do is I'll set up a honeypot for them where I become their perfect victim. I become the person they're most looking for. So I was Sophie. I was 19 years old. I was in college, but I had access to money because like my parents, Um, I was shocked at how well I could uh, play a 19 year old girl. But I I use AI to generate images so that I can, for instance, set up fake accounts so it looks very real, um, which has actually been really helpful to be able to because I I have no artistic ability and I also don't want to use real people's images because those can be reverse image search. So it was just really easy to, to do that. And I start going back and forth with him. I send him a credential harvester uh, and I pinged his location. I know where he is. And then with the credential harvester, he sends me his login and password. And I was like, well, we have to see if it's available. And so I I open up, he had not set up his two-factor authentication. He had not set up any sort of defensive measures. So it just logs me in. And I was like, oh, buddy. So I went through, because it was Google, you can see his search history. And my man has not heard of incognito mode. OK, like it was it's So I take a screenshot of his search history. Some of my favorite things. He is learning about Niall Horan as I'm asking him questions about Niall Horan. Like, how old is he? How tall is he? What are his parents like? And then my favorite was just Montana time zone. What is Mormon? Like, I was just like, what are you doing? <laughs> So it was uh it was a lot of fun. I sent him his search history in a screen grab. He blocked me, but I was still in the account. So I just unblocked myself. And that's how you get a scammer to need to change his pants. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun.
0: That's awesome. You know, everybody who's been scammed or who's been, you know, what do you call it? Uh who's had who's been locked out of their account, whatever, they're, oh, they're, yeah. they're gonna love this. So, all right, so. When you do this, do you turn over this information to Homeland, the FBI, local authorities? It all depends. What's your what's your system or your process here?
1: Uh, It all depends. Uh, There's definitely different places, you know, kind of different strokes for different folks. I I've definitely turned over a lot of stuff to the FBI, mostly because you can use their IC3 form. So if you ever get scammed, use the IC3 form. It's their Internet crimes form. And that's just a great way to kind of get that stuff to them because uh, essentially what they're trying to do is they're trying to build like bigger cases. So they want to see people that scam repeatedly, multiple things. So if you don't hear back from them, it's not that they're not working on it. It's that they're building up bigger stuff, especially because a lot of it happens out of country. So that requires extradition. Um, but I've also worked with a lot of local law enforcement, especially if I can find things that are like, you know, happening just down the street or in the US. That's been a ton of fun. Uh Some of it is, it, weirdly enough, I, I ended up finding a, an entirely fake shipping company, which is actually how I originally got scammed. was a fake shipping company. And so this guy who was just leaving the military just wanted to ship his car back so he could get back to civilian life and start doing his thing, and he got scammed. And I was like, send it to me, man. Let's figure this guy out. And, uh, yeah, found out the house they were using – To as like a fake base of operations, like everything along, none of it made sense because you can just check company registries and it just didn't make any sense. And that's when the investigative wing of the Department of Transportation reached out to me and I did not know that existed at all. (laughs) And so, yeah, they reached out and ended ended up giving them the information. And that was a lot of fun, but it really varies. And and I've caught everything from car scams, huge money romance scams to like little things like somebody got scammed out of money because they wanted to buy snails um, and even all the way up to like uh, child predators and things like that. Like we've, we've been able to kind of swat them all. So it's been fun.
0: Wow. Wow. All right. So did the guy get his money back? Uh, the The army guy or the military guy? Did
1: you know, what you know happened? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he ended up getting his money back. I, I actually emailed that guy not too long. The DOT guy uh, not too long ago. And I think the investigation is still ongoing, but they've I think they've, they're closing in on him, which is very cool. Um, it's really going to be a lot of like seizure, seizure of assets and things like that. And I'm hoping that when that happens, all the money goes back to the guy, because it's just, it's just tough. Unfortunately, we have so many like laws for classic crimes, but digital crimes, it's still the wild West, you know?
0: Sure. Well, and, and you mentioned that, uh, if you don't hear back from the FBI, don't get discouraged. Absolutely. Don't get discouraged because I believe just on the predator side of things, Uh, somebody told me that we have something like 500,000 daily predators out there, you know, just just globally looking for people. And and that's just one side of the internet crimes. You know, there's the financial side, there's Mm -hmm. the identity theft side. So the FBI and all these people are being hit with hundreds of thousands of crimes, probably every day, there's just not enough manpower.
1: Oh, it's it's not even close. I mean, it's it it is so tough. And, you know, obviously we have a lot of laws that like restrict the FBI from accessing like certain data and things like that, uh, as well as like local law enforcement and the DOT and like like pretty much everybody, um, which is really tough. So it, what's kind of wild to think about is I have better access to some of this data than they do. And some of it they're not even allowed to see. And a lot of that's just ad data. I've thankfully been able to partner occasionally with uh, companies that do like essentially ad data buying. And then you get three trillion data points that you can see where people live, where they go to get their coffee, where they go to the gym, and then it all pops back. And it's it's crazy to see. But the FBI, local law enforcement, the level it would take to get them to get a subpoena for that or to get them that information. It's it's just a lot. And so it's it, sometimes it's just late, um, which I think is it's fascinating. It's, it's such a weird. Again, we're just not caught up to the cyber age. You know.
0: Right, right. Well, and then I think also what's interesting to me, I, I've seen this over and over again. People can Google it. Uh, both Google and Facebook uh, and their subsidiaries are less than forthcoming when it comes to helping law enforcement. Uh, yep. Google has put up roadblock after roadblock. I'm like, why would you do that? I mean, yeah. it doesn't make sense. First of all, you're an American company. You you get all these American benefits. Same thing to uh, Mark Zuckerberg and the people there at Meta or Facebook or whatever. But when law enforcement needs help because they're trying to catch a, a a bad guy, yeah, they hit a wall and they hit multiple walls. I mean, it's just it just blows me away that these guys are such jerks about it.
1: You know, it's I I get that. I think it's really frustrating, especially when like you see. It's that tough thing. It's like everybody's innocent until you know proven guilty. It's it's hard when you're you're on the other side and you see the data where you're like, he. I'd be shocked if he was innocent. Uh, um, I think that it's tough because you know at the end of the day, I, I think that Americans definitely value like that that freedom aspect and that and that idea of like being able to be an anonymous. Unfortunately, it's just like if you have a cell phone, any app you use for free is selling your data. That's how they're making money. Like, and they're making a lot of it. So it's. It is just tough where what's the good balance of that? And I think that I I want to say it's Facebook, actually, that has like a automated system like that's like a law enforcement portal that they can go into and submit. But they have to get like all this stuff that goes into it first. And honestly, like if you've ever tried to work with Meta, they are. I don't know if any human being works at Meta. And and after hearing that, like law enforcement has a portal, I'm like, I don't think that people work there. And that's just really tough when they're trying to get specific data and, you know, they'll give them a PDF. But that's not helpful. It's just. Yeah, I I totally get that. I just wish there was some somehow more cooperation that, that also let people feel safe overall. You know what I mean? Like just something yeah. that's yeah.
0: And I think that look, it's completely different. I think let's say a civil suit versus a criminal investigation. Uh during during the Trump administration, uh the Trump administration was trying to get access when i say his administration i think the doj at that time there was a uh a there was a terrorist attack on one of the military bases i think it was an air force base and it was by a gentleman who was if i'm not mistaken uh from saudi arabia he was supposed to be there he was being trained he was being trained remember yeah, this and so yeah and i remember you're he, talking about. yeah and so he you know, whatever. He came in, started shooting and killing people. And uh, he had, um, I think, at least one phone where he shot it so it couldn't be used. And they finally took him down. But four or five years, maybe wasn't that long. At least a couple of years, up to four years, Apple wouldn't cooperate.
1: The Apple things bother me a significant amount. You know what I will say? I will give Apple weird credit here. I think that we're all pretty aware that it feels like they slow our phones down and they make us buy new phones. And like, that's like, that's just a, from a commercial standpoint, it's like, oh, come on. But I, they, they actually, for iCloud accounts, they take them down really quick if they think that they've got like bad data on it. And you can just submit that, which I think is actually really cool. It, it, it abuse at iCloud. However, when it comes to stuff like that, especially if the perpetrator is deceased and there's no one trying to like, like, there's no family that's trying to defend this. Like, why why aren't you helping just grant them access now I, now I understand if say you don't want to give them proprietary tech that like allows them to break into every phone but man if they if the perp is dead we would need to figure out if there's if this was part of a larger cell and that is very time sensitive help them out you know that's 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 kind of how I feel about that especially in situations like exactly what you just described
0: yeah there is no reason especially in the scenario you give, hey, if the perpetrator is dead mm-hmm. and, and and we're not talking about some, I don't know, low left crime where he was uh, pretending to be somebody else and getting, uh, you know, money for romantic reasons, some, you know, some low level crime. We're talking about a terrorist attack on military base. Come on, Apple. Again, you're an American company. I think they need to, I think they need to step up and help out and make it easier. Well, I'm not saying, Hey, here's, you know, if you want people to get a subpoena, great, do that, but yep. don't make it harder than it needs to be.
1: Yeah. I think that, I think especially when I'm, when I'm able to sit here and get sometimes better data than, than like. Parts of the government are like that. That's just that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like I am just an idiot civilian, and if I am able to pay more money, and then like, or thankfully I don't have to because companies will volunteer to me, which is very cool. That's really that's great. I uh, sometimes it's just really frustrating at that point where you're like, okay, what what are we doing? Who who is this helping? I guess is the is the main question. Right. It's like what is because don't get me wrong, like I'm happy to hear the other side of it, but I I just I'm not seeing that overweighing what, what we seem to be bringing to the table with this. So yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, it's a frustrating lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It it is frustrating. Uh, especially, (laughs) especially like some people, like, first of all, you mentioned we're already being tracked by our phones, uh, you know, and, and then you have all these companies out there that want you to check in. Hey, I just bought a pickle at the pickles shop. Look at me! Yeah. I'm cool. I'm checking in. Uh, I would say at least eighty percent of our privacy is probably non-existent. Uh, it's all make believe.
1: hundred percent. It, it is. I I cannot agree with that more. I think it was uh, McAfee before he died that said, you know, the only way that you can either be private is to be uh, completely off the radar and and never talk to anybody and never use any technology, or weirdly enough, the other way. Lie about everything. You got to lie about where you are. All these things. Because you can overload it in the opposite direction, and that is an effective way to do it. But at the same time, I feel like we all just want to kind of live normal lives. And unfortunately, with big data getting the way that it is, it, it, your your privacy is an illusion, and that's that's unfortunate. You know, that's it makes us all uncomfortable. But that's uh, yeah, that's it, it
0: is. It is because we're so glad to give it up. You know, we're just so like, ah, here you go. Let me tell you more. Let me tell you more. I, I, I've, I've had several friends of mine who put like, not only their address on their social media, but their birth date. I said, dude, at this (laughs) point, why don't you just upload your credit card and your driver's license? You know, (laughs) they probably already have it at this point.
1: (laughs) I want to say it was back in like 2010 or 2011. There were probably a couple hundred Facebook accounts that people were honest and said they worked at the NSA. And it's like, are you out of your mind? You know what people are capable of doing with this information. And it's just like, you just put a huge target on your back to like try to get scammed or try to get broken into. And it's like, oh my God. Uh, Yeah, you. it's funny. There's really no end to the amount that people are willing to like, kind of give up for convenience. And I mean, think about how many times you go to any website and you hit, oh, I accept these cookies. I accept these cookies. I accept these cookies. I mean, I'm in the habit now of being like, I reject all cookies. I do like, I reject all this, or I like only keep the things that are necessary and, you know, keeping a VPN on so that I'm, I'm in multiple different places. It's, you try as much as you can, but at the end of the day, my phone is going to say, you checked in at your home. Hi, Ryan. Uh, yeah. and that's kind of where you're at. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so you also mentioned something called a location finder. Is this kind of like a little snippet of code that somebody puts on your your phone or what is a location finder?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't think that's like probably the technical term for it. That's just what I uh, I would certainly call it. But just uh, um, essentially, there, there's a couple different programs out there that are able to essentially take a phone's GPS and flip it so that you're able to see it. So it's mm-hmm. essentially sending you where it is. Um, there's a lot of fascinating ways to go about it. There's honestly, there's so many that it's tough to know exactly where to start with it. I mean, if you ever use any of those DocuSign uh, type websites that'll let you sign documents, oh, you can embed crazy things in there so that it'll it'll ping back to you. Um, it's uh, there's also a lot of programs. So if you're trying to get somebody to, get, to open up a link, and then it asks you, you know, you know how your phone will always ask you, "Hey, do you want to share your location with this?" And people normally just hit allow, just like out of habit. Well, sometimes that's me. So that's uh, and and when you allow that location, hi, like I mean, I can I can see very close. Uh, but what's really amazing is really using this ad data that is available. I mean, I can see which side of the room your computer is on. I can see where you lay down and put your phone at night and that makes it really fun. I mean, it's, it's wild because then I can send like screenshots to scammers and be like, Hey, you sleep here, your computer's here. And at the end of the day, (laughs) a lot of these guys aren't going to get prosecuted, but if you can freak them out enough to get them to stop, that's a win. That is a huge win. Yeah, Yeah,
0: absolutely. All right. I I do want to, I do want to, Talk about this because I think this is uh too important uh not to talk about. Um, and that is take uh, doing shots with grandma for your 21st birthday.
1: Yes. Come on,
0: that's that's if that isn't homespun America, I don't know what is. I mean,
1: uh it's about that- as happy and wholesome as you can get, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's <laughs> That is the you know you know uh, what what is that guy's name? Oh, who used to paint all those great pictures? I think it starts with an R. Is it Reming? No.
1: Wait, Bob Ross. Uh, no, no. <laughs> that's who I think of. Yeah, <laughs> um,
0: and probably now I'm thinking maybe this. He's a famous artist. Had all these great pictures of America. And anyway, oh, I know what you're talking about. That. That, yeah, the it, famous Thanksgiving turkey thing with America. You know, with the the. The family around the turkey. I I want. I want to show this. Hold on a second. We gotta. We gotta. We gotta show this.
1: Yeah, let's do it. And so I'm going to this bar, and I'm super stoked. And I get there after my mom and my grandma get there. And my mom's got nine shots laid out, and this is my first shot ever. Here's the thing, I start drinking, and I'm going shot for shot with my grandma. Who is drinking me under the table. Okay, now, she's cheating. She used to be an alcoholic, okay? So, like, she was really bringing it back for this one. I could feel it. And at one point, we're eight or nine shots deep, and that's when my grandma goes, Man, you know what I miss? Jaeger. Oh, Oh, so you've had it. Uh. I had not. You've never had Jaeger. Um, It's like rebranded thick paint thinner. She gets me a double shot of that to take with her. And so I I take my double shot. She takes hers. She downs it easy. And then I'm like, I can do this. And I pound it. And I am KO'd. I am down for the count. I don't feel good at all. And to this day, I've still never drank Jaeger again. So now every time I look at a bottle of Jaeger, I think, oh. All right.
0: So how old is your grandma at this point?
1: My grandma was, I want to say, 81 at the time she was doing shots with me at 21.
0: So Uh, you and your 81-year-old grandma, 80 plus. Yep. And and you're doing a double Jaeger after already doing seven or eight or nine shots
1: so many so many i i went across the street so we get to this bar which is is just you know it's such an interesting place and i go across streets it was a friend of mine's girlfriend's birthday too and they were hanging out back at our house so i was like oh i'm gonna bring them a drink because it's cool and that's nice and like they were always really good friends of ours and then i get to the other side of this bar and it's uh it's my mom and she's got six of these uh so two for each of these they were like chocolate like there there was some weird and i'm not like a big chocolate with liquor guy that is not my thing but we took them and then we kept hitting more and more and it was by the time we got to jaeger that i was like this is this is an issue this is like we are we are hitting a problem." plus very truthfully i am just I, I i am just such a rule follower i can't seem to help myself uh that was actually the first time i ever drank was with my mom and grandma and just having my grandma just drink me under the table, just bam, it was great, it was was a great time.
0: Being that it's your first time drinking and you didn't do some kind of sissy drinking, you went all out, serious (laughs) drinking. How sick were you either that night or the next day or for how long, I mean, you had to have been down for a couple of days.
1: You know what, I would have thought the same thing. I have no idea. But, like, for a while, like, when I started drinking, I did not have hangovers. It was, wow. like, probably, like, four or five times after the, like, I started drinking. I was like, I'm fine. This is great. And then, eventually, and now it's not the same anymore. I don't know what's happened. Now, I don't really drink that much anymore. Like, at all. So it also, like, I I have a glass of wine, and the next day, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's, uh, I, I don't know what happened. Like, I guess my tolerance went down, which is crazy, but... Yeah. It was, uh, surprisingly that next morning I got up and my, my mom and grandma, we went and got breakfast and they were surprised that I was standing. <laughs> so wow. it was cool. I would, I yeah. was,
0: yeah, I was, I would be surprised you'd be standing too. I yeah. just think a, a double Jaeger today, I'd be wiped out.
1: Oh, uh, you and me both. I, I mean, mean, that's and, that and you did. thick liquor. Oh, and it is, oh. <laughs> it's all
0: so happy nasty.
1: licorice. Yeah. Yes.
0: <laughs> all right. So, um, if somebody wants to find
1: out more about you, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, you can go to youthpastorryan.com. No, I'm not a real youth pastor. Yes, I do look like it. Um, uh, and and if you want to go there, it's got a link to all my my stuff. It's probably the easiest way. Or you can find me on TikTok and YouTube, at Youth Pastor Ryan, as well as Twitch. I occasionally stream stuff. But uh, then Ryan Kelly Comedy on Instagram. Uh, because I couldn't get Youth Pastor Ryan, I did talk to that guy about it, and funny enough, he forgot his password, and he actually follows me now. So he's a, he's a very nice guy. Um, so. Yeah, the last time that that account posted was like 2013, and I was like, you know what though, it's uh, it's nice to have the comedy one because that's uh, that's what you also. If you want to, you can watch uh, where that video comes from. Is my first comedy special, "Girlfriends and Girlfriends," uh, kind of about a series of dating mistakes and figuring out life and figuring out that the girlfriends uh that were there were much better than the girlfriends that I dated, and yeah. so it was uh, <laughs> it was really nice. So that's available on Amazon, or you can listen to it for free on Spotify. Other than that, that's uh, that's pretty much me. And if you have a scam and you want me to take a crack at it, uh, youthpastorryan.com, there's a scams and spam submission form. Uh, I've gotten over 4,000 submissions already. I try to take down as many as I can or I always point the people in the right direction so that we can get that taken care of. So if you don't hear from me, it's not because I'm not looking for it. It's just because I am only one man and certainly trying my best. Uh, So yeah. Ryan, man, it's
0: been a blast having you on. I would love to bring you back. Uh, And now as far as... uh your next comedy event and uh, anything planned for any time soon
1: yeah i believe i've got some stuff on my website that says uh march is coming up i think i'm doing the end of march let me actually pull that up real quick um yeah let me i know i've got so yeah i've got austin texas uh nice. uh march 24th then buffalo new york march 28th and then uh philadelphia pennsylvania uh march 30th and that's uh gonna be uh cap city comedy then he, uh the other two are heliums and i like the helium chain they're fun uh and then after that i do have some other ones coming in april which i'm very excited about um but it's yeah. all at
0: youth pastor ryan
1: yes oh and you know what actually hold on you know what i actually need to edit some stuff because i realized that uh that buffalo show is actually being flipped for a show in springfield uh missouri which is great because that's close to where i am and then i'm doing a show on the 27th at uh um, what's it called? Oklahoma city, which I'm excited. Oklahoma. I've never been to Oklahoma. I've got four States left and then I'll try, uh, tick them all off. So Oklahoma is one of them.
0: Nice. All right, Ryan, thank you so much for stopping by. Looking forward to catching up with you later.
1: I appreciate it, Bert. Thanks so much for having
0: me. And I hope you have a great day.